This is Leela Viss. I'm the host of Key Ideas, and welcome to part two of my conversation with prolific composer and dynamic pedagogue, Dennis Alexander. Stop everything and listen to part one if you haven't done so already. Then head back to this episode, where you hear how Dennis never intended to be a composer, why he couldn't get private students after he retired as a university piano professor, and you'll hear about the one person he credits for his skills as an improviser. You'll hear Dennis express his frustration over the end of his long-term and highly successful relationship with Alfred Music. Grab your sneakers and earbuds and squeeze in more steps in your day as you listen to another fascinating chat with Dennis. You talked a little bit about how you performed, and you and I were talking about, okay, what questions should we include in this interview? And you were saying that something that really no one ever asks you, or maybe don't even know, is that you were a performer, and you are a performer. And that was, first and foremost, one of the most important things that you did, even above teaching, would you say? Yeah, well, well, it's, it's also interesting to know that not only a lot of teachers don't realize that I'm basically a performer at heart. Uh, I, I was a performance major, and I have, over the years, not only done many, many, many solo recitals, but I've done many, many more, even chamber music recitals, and um, I worked with a very, very fine violinist for 12 years, and in fact, we did a, um, a, a Carnegie Recital Hall debut back in 1987. So I've done most of the piano violin repertoire. Um, I've played for singers my entire life. A lot of my best friends are, are uh, very, very fine um, opera uh, singers. Uh, some of them have sung with the Metropolitan Opera and other opera companies. But I, I love performing. And, but I'm also, uh, like, like I mentioned earlier, a teacher. What's interesting is when I first decided to retire from the University of Montana in Missoula back in 1996, and I moved to Southern California, I was actually in San Diego first, and I wanted to teach privately. I was really eager uh, to teach, and but I was having a terrible time getting students. Mm. And uh, I mean, Today, I, I kind of laugh about it, but at the time, it wasn't funny because I really was, was trying to get, I mean, I literally, I was going around, I, I would put signs in laundromats, you know, <laughs> <laughs> piano teacher. Pulled a little you know, tab off with the yes. yeah. And, and I, I had told, you know, of course, the local organization there that, that I was uh, living now in San Diego, would love to teach, and if you happen to have students that you can't take and could refer to me, uh, I, I would be so happy. Well, I found out later that the reason why I wasn't getting many calls at all was because teachers there thought of me only as a composer. They didn't realize that I was also a very experienced teacher. So when they found out Finally, you know, that, well, yeah, I've been teaching piano pedagogy for many years. I've been teaching all levels of students uh, from uh, beginners through advanced and, and all. Then I finally started getting a few uh, students. Isn't 
Isn't that so, amazing how us we make assumptions? Yes. Because it, it is interesting because you you know you can only be a composer or you can only be a performer. Yeah. But nowadays right. we really need to be all of those. In exactly. In fact, um, several years ago, I had the pleasure of of uh, being invited to teach uh, one summer at the Interlochen uh, mm. Academy in in Michigan, and they were interested in having me do lots of different things. And they were so pleased that I was the type of person who could work with the junior students, you know, with more elementary level students. I could do uh, master classes for the junior high students. I could do master classes for the advanced, you know, uh, players as well. And they had never had anybody there uh, who could do <laughs> so all versatile. those different things. Yeah. But I, I, I'm just lucky that I have that background right. where I, I can, um, I can judge, for instance, competitions yeah. of you know very, very high level, advanced players, or I can also be just as happy and content uh, doing festivals for eight year olds. It is unusual. You are a highly atypical musician. We're going to call you a musician. I don't know what else to call you because you're not just a composer. You're not just a teacher. Well, you know, so I when, when I was at KU, I, I, I will tell you, I was kind of an oddball mm -hmm. as far as uh, the classical pianist scene. Mm. Uh, none of my friends who were also piano performance majors could sit down and play by ear or read chord charts or you know, do all those things. I um, had very nice memories of playing on weekends, even sometimes in the dorm. Uh, kids, you know, we'd like to get together and sing songs yeah. and they'd always ask Alexander to sit down and and play, oh, fun. play okay, their well, favorite stuff. Let's stop there a minute. How did you gain those skills? Because that's an important step right there. Or did you just yeah. have them? You didn't naturally just have them, did you? Did you have to work I, at it a little bit? You know what? I When I was a child, I I just was surrounded by music a lot. My, my parents mm. loved music. They were not classical musicians, although my father played the piano when he was young. But we, there was always music in the house. And I begged to have piano lessons when I was seven. And when we got that piano, I discovered that I could sit down at the piano and play. I, I heard these chords and these mm. harmonies and these melodies in my head. And I was able to just kind of naturally figure out how to play them on the piano. So, so I, I could play by ear and I could improvise rather rather naturally. But I also give huge amounts of credit to my first piano teacher. Her name was Lila McCune, and she never ever discouraged me mm. from improvising. Uh, I was, yep. I always admired her at my lessons because I I I still remember as if it were yesterday sitting at the piano with her and learning these five little five finger pieces, these simple little tunes. She would always sit down next to me. And back in those days, they didn't have these wonderful teacher accompaniments all written out. Like they do right. today. 
yeah. <laughs> for teachers. It was just strictly solo music. Uh -huh. And but she would sit there and she would improvise, make up these wonderful little duet accompaniments to make me sound much, much better than I really was. Mm. And it was so motivational and so much fun for me. So I was always amazed that she could do this. So it motivated me to want to do the same mm -hmm. thing. Nice. So then when I would go home, I would take some of my classical pieces and I would play with them and improvise, maybe make up a new ending or a new beginning or just experiment in my own brain with things that I thought I, I might be able to do. So I think because of that experience as a youngster, all of those years later, when I was asked to write music for Alfred, I knew I could do this. Right. Even though I, uh -huh. I never studied composition in college, um, I, of course I had theory and counterpoint, but I never ever took a composition class mm. because that wasn't my field. I was a performance major. So why mm. would I study composition? You know, it wasn't uh -huh. anything I was ever gonna do. <laughs> and then before long, uh, <laughs> I, I found myself literally making a living as a composer uh, working with Alfred. I'm so, wondering if Mozart was living right now, if Dennis Alexander and Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart had a playoff, who would win? What do you think? Oh, oh good grief. <laughs> <laughs> You're sounding a little bit like Mozart, though, when you talk about your childhood. So that's well, a neat story. That's I'm, a really important thing to know. And so many teachers back in the day would not have done what your teacher did. Would you yes. say that's true? That's tr mm. very true. And, and it's why today, whenever I am giving a workshop for teachers, I often share this story about my first teacher and how wonderful she was and, that, and how important it is for teachers to play along with their students. Mm -hmm. Sit down with them and, and share these duets because it teaches them so many things. It teaches them not only that music is just so much fun, but it teaches them for instance, to keep going no matter what. Yeah. You can't stop in the middle of a piece. If you make a little mistake, you have to keep right on going. It teaches them to listen. So they learn these listening skills that they have to listen not only to themselves, but to their teacher. It, it, they learn to listen for good rhythm, for good balance, for shaping, for maybe a little rubato here and there. And uh, But it also gives them that experience of ensemble playing. Mm -hmm. At a very young age, which for me was was monumental, because I I again credit my first piano teacher for my love of chamber music and mm. um, and accompanying. So you have all of this exposure to all these different types of music. Your parents weren't necessarily classically trained, and then you've played in ensembles with different instruments. And so how does one like you, like Dennis Alexander, decide what his favorite style of music is? And do you have one? Oh, I do. Oh, I do. Okay. Ever since I was uh, maybe a teenager and I was getting into more and more different styles of repertoire, um, I've, I'm so lucky that I always had fantastic teachers growing up. Uh, all the way through uh, grade school, junior high, high school, and college. I've never, ever had a bad teacher. 
and I've always had teachers that that inspired me in different ways. And I think when I was in high school, and I was playing uh, my first Chopin piece, mm. Mm. somehow I just really connected to that style, mm -hmm. and. I, I fell in love with with that whole romantic style era, uh, particularly Chopin. In fact, this week I've been enjoying listening to these fabulous pianists in the Chopin International Piano Competition oh, going on in okay. Warsaw right now. Mm -hmm. Fantastic! It's all been on YouTube and doesn't cost anything, and and it's just wonderful. But I would have to say that as a composer. I tend to gravitate to that style very readily. Uh, it's an easy style for me to write in. It's a style that I love. I feel like, for instance, when I did my books of nocturnes. Right. I was going to mention those. Those, mm -hmm. those were all pieces that just came out so easily for me. Mm. And, and I'm just, I'm so grateful that, that they've been so well received by uh, by many teachers, and particularly grateful to NC uh, National Conference of Keyboard Pedagogy when they gave me the uh, the pedagogy award for those two books mm -hmm. of nocturnes. Very very honored and and grateful to them. But that's a style that really probably means the most to me. But I do write in, of course, all the different oh. styles. Um, I've, I've had to over the years, and I, I enjoy all of them. The the style I find the hardest is Baroque. Mm, uh, yes, the most oh. challenging style for me, I think, I to bet. write in. Yeah, uh, but impressionistic, uh, contemporary, romantic, classical, those are all. Well, I, I must say you rock at writing tangos. I have one student playing your tango a la mango right now. And it's oh, just you do? <laughs> so much fun. There's so much drama in that piece. Yeah, oh, there I'm, it is. You know, I'm trying to have her pull it out as much as possible. But thank you for that one. I mean, I mean there's well, so many welcome. to thank you. You know, um, I think living in, in New Mexico, especially here in Albuquerque, mm. has also been wonderful for me in uh as far as being inspired by some of this Spanish or different yes. types of well, dance music. Okay. We, we, have a, we have a fantastic tango academy. Oh, you do? Oh. In Albuquerque, <laughs> as well as a flamenco oh, uh, academy. So there's lots of, of really good music being, yes. being performed here in Albuquerque. And uh, tango, I think, is, is such a, an interesting dance form. Uh, in fact, I used to, uh, we have a, a group in Albuquerque uh, called Q-Tango, and I know all of the people in this group, they're just wonderful, fantastic musicians, especially the violinist, uh, Olga Tikadova is her name. And uh, in fact, her husband uh, is a very, very fine vocalist who um, does all the singing in this group. But they used to perform at a local hotel here in the ballroom every Sunday afternoon a number of years ago. And we would often go over and just listen to them play. And then uh, people in uh, Albuquerque who were taking tango lessons would dance. Uh. And so we, we not only had the joy of watching the dancers, 
but the joy of listening to the yes. wonderful music. So I was inspired uh, by that, and mm -hmm. one, of, one of the main reasons why I wrote that particular Tango a la Mango in my Splash of Color book. I think it's in the third book, I believe. Hi everyone, this is Drew Collins, Leela's producer for Key Ideas. This summer, Leela and I launched an online digital course called How to Play Piano in a Band. We've received great feedback about it, and we're excited to let you know that we've added some Christmas content, chord charts and arrangements for Silent Night and What Child Is This? If you haven't yet signed up for the course, give yourself and your students the gift of confidence to read chord charts and play in a band. To find out more, visit lelavis.com slash band dash purchase. As always, thanks for listening. Now, back to Leela. I think it's in the third book, I believe. I think so. And now that leads nicely to one of the topics I wanted to discuss with you as well is I believe that is published by Alfred. And so you did have a long-term relationship with Alfred that did end not yes. too long ago. Yes. So exactly. how are you feeling about that? Oh, I'm still upset, really? okay. <laughs> to be honest. Um, well, Alfred was my musical home. Yeah. Uh, they were my musical family. Uh, when when I was first asked to join Alfred, uh, my my very good friend at the time, Amanda Vick Lethko, who taught at the you know, University of Texas in Austin, and Willard Palmer, who most teachers know from his masterwork series with Alfred, mm -hmm. all the classical collections that he edited, but also as a composer for the um, the, the early. Uh, the original Alfred uh, piano methods, Alfred's basic piano library. Uh, Amanda Vick was the one who actually got me in with Alfred. She wanted me to help she and Willard uh, promote the method, that Alfred's basic piano library. And when I started doing that, uh, the very first summer, Morty Manis, who was uh, the owner and CEO president of Alfred, asked me if I would be willing to write duet books to correlate with the method. And I, in all honesty, I just said, Morty, I said, I would be happy to do that, but you need to know I've never written a thing in my life. Mm. <laughs> and he said, well, gosh, he said, well, why not? <laughs> and I said, well, frankly, I said, it's because no one ever asked me to. And uh, I'm basically, uh, I'm teaching piano performance and piano pedagogy, and that's what I love. and that's the only thing I've ever thought about doing. But he said, well, would you please give it a try and uh, see what you come up with? And so I just, I said, yes, I think I can do this. I basically just stuck my neck out and he told me he wanted uh, all the uh, pieces in the first book of duets to be approved by Willard Palmer. Willard normally would have done those books, but he didn't have time because he mm -hmm. was busy writing other things for their method. So when I sent Willard the first book of those duets, he was very gracious and wrote back. He said he loved every single piece. He didn't want to change anything. Mm -mm. And that's where my career really began right. as a composer. And then about a year later, 
uh, Morty was uh, needing to have more solo collections, so he asked me if I would please uh, write a book every month for a year. <laughs> well, I was Whoa. well, I I was teaching full time uh. at the university. I was chairing the piano department. I was doing a lot of performing. I was teaching piano pedagogy. I was going in fifty different directions, and. I, I told Morty, you know, if you want me to write that many books, I just can't do it uh, with my current schedule. I'll, I'll try my best, but I, I really cannot promise you that I could turn out a book every month. So he asked me, uh, this would never happen today. He asked me, <laughs> he said, what would, what's your salary at the university? Mm. Well, I told him, and he said, I'll tell you what. If I were to advance you royalties that would cover half of your salaries uh, at the university, would you consider going half time mm. at the university and then write for me so that I can get these books out that we need to have for, you know, Alfred was a, a much smaller publisher at the wow. time. Yeah. And so this is what I did for a year and the very first collections, solo collections that came out were the Just For You books. Mm. And and those books ended up being huge hits uh, with Alfred. And from there on, I, you know, I, I would say my, my career as a composer kind of began. And uh, it's been a wonderful journey. So for 35 years, I, I wrote exclusively for Alfred. And then what happened here about, it's been almost, I think two years, I've lost track of time, but the current owners of Alfred uh, is a, a company called Peaksware. Uh, and they're based, you probably know the company. Um, they're based in, uh, in Boulder. Yeah, I have not heard of them before, but I've, I've heard, I knew they were in Boulder, but I didn't know the name yeah, of the company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, they, they have all kinds of different types of, of music software. But what happened was that um, they literally, or the, the CEO of the company, I guess, made the decision that uh, he was going to eliminate the entire piano division of Alfred, which we could hardly believe because the piano division was the, probably the <laughs> biggest and most successful and, and most, um, uh, you know, highly thought of aspect yeah. of Alfred music, I think. Uh, they had, at, by, by that time, Almost all of the, you know, the, uh, I would say almost all of the most well-known uh, composers of educational music, and uh, we we were just stunned uh, by the news, and so almost overnight, everyone in the piano division uh, who worked at Alfred was let go, mm. and we found ourselves without a publisher. Wow. So um, <laughs> it, it, it has been uh, a challenge. I have spoken with a number of my very good friends in the business since that time. Some of them really encouraged me to go into self-publishing. Uh, more and more people are doing that today. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they're finding all kinds of opportunities that were never there a, lo a long time right. ago. And, and certainly, uh, some of them are having, I think, lots of success mm -hmm. in self-publishing. But I guess because I've always had a publisher, 
I, I've always been one who I, I, I want teachers to have a hard copy of the oh, whole book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, or if it's sheet music, I want them to have the, the cover of the sheet music and, right. and be able to hold it in their hands. Um, I, I've been a little reluctant to, to do the self-publishing so far, but I've also been fortunate that several other publishers have approached me and uh, very fortunately last year when I was wanting to do these Christmas, two Christmas books um, called Christmas Improvisations, uh, I was approached by my friends at Chose Music and uh, I published those books for them and, and they turned out beautifully. had a wonderful editor, Peggy Otwell, who was just, uh, mm -hmm. just amazing and great to work with. And um, so then after those books came out, I was um, approached a couple of times by the folks at Hal Leonard and uh, were interested in working with me. So I, I made the decision. It was kind of a hard decision because I, everyone's been very kind and, and very generous to me. And, uh, but I knew a lot of the people at Hal Leonard and have always admired um, their, their publishing work. So I decided to, uh, to go with Hal Leonard and they're the ones I'm currently working with. Okay. So it, it's a kind of a whole new, I, I feel like a, somewhat like a fish out of water. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but I'm, I'm just taking my time. I, I don't feel like I have to do anything at this particular point in time, as far as turning out constant books. Um, I've, I've been lucky to have a wonderful career and I've gotten uh, some, some wonderful feedback from teachers and students who are using my music. And uh, I've been very, very grateful and, and honored to have received several awards from the industry that I love and respect the most. Mm -hmm. So whatever happens at this point happens. And if I feel like writing more, I will certainly write more. And if I need to take six months off and just smell the roses, so to speak, mm -hmm. that's what I'll do along with my teaching of adult students. So that's kind of where I'm at at this point in my life. It did really rock the publishing world. And I think it did make us all step back a minute and like, whoa, what what is the future of music publishing? Which mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of positives because now people can write their own and sell their own. But there's, you know, it used to be that it was very elite, really well-tested, well-edited pieces that yes. were in the market. And now it's, you don't you know. You can find anything. You can find anything. Yeah. You don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Well, of course, when you work with a publisher, you have editors. Correct. Yes. <laughs> and and uh, very often those editors have, uh, you know, it's a different set of eyes, a different set of mm -hmm. ears. And, and you'll get ideas from them that makes your music even better. Uh, and I, I've always had that. And so I, I appreciate that so much. And I sometimes see things coming out that are self-published. Uh, they sometimes have no pedal markings. They have no fingering. They have very little dynamics. And sometimes the writing is not 
um, of the quality that I would want to give my own students. So I think teachers today have to be very careful when they do um, use uh, music that's been self-published. Um, and don't, don't get me wrong, there's some very good things out there. Yes, um, yes. And, and I've also felt sometimes like, well, you know, I've had a nice ride. I've been doing this for 35 years. Maybe it's time to just let these other younger composers have a shot at this <laughs> and establish their their worth as a composer and uh, and give teachers an opportunity to, to get to know a lot of other aspiring, wonderful young talent. I don't think anyone will have the story that Dennis Alexander has, though. Would you agree? You know, a, a publisher coming up to someone saying, hey, what are you getting paid? We'll pay you even more. You know, that, that's not going to happen anymore. So it is it is quite yeah. a fairy tale story for you. And and look where it led you. It, it led you to be one of the most prolific and I would say most colorful. I don't know. You can write in any style and, and with so much success and everything is just packaged so beautifully in every piece. I, I Like I said, I was listening to your Christmas improvisations and like, whoa, where did he get that from? You know, there are just so many different ideas. A lot of people kind of sound the same. I know I fall into the same patterns that my hands like, and you seem to have something new around the corner every time. So I, I do have a, a question for you. There's so much more for you to learn about and learn from Dennis, and so I'm pushing the pause button here so that you can have time to let everything sink in. Head to the show notes for links to Dennis Alexander's award-winning Nocturne books that should be part of everyone's library. The notes also include links to Tango Alomango and other favorite repertoire. Make sure to tune in to part three, where you hear advice from Dennis for those aspiring to compose. He also gives a teaching tip to go that will make you laugh out loud like I did. And you learn what Dennis believes to be the single most important thing us piano teachers can do for our students. This is Leela Viss, and see you in the trenches. <laughs>